Hey everyone, welcome to the Black Health Podcast and welcome to June. <laughs> it's been a minute, but we're back. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm Paula, one of the co-founders of Black Health, as you all know. <laughs> and I'll let you all introduce yourselves. Hey y'all, I'm Khadija. Hey y'all, it's Mercy. Hey everybody, it's Matthew. So hey, guys. Mercy. You got our, uh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> our icebreaker so, this week. Our icebreaker for this week. Since it's been a while, let's talk about what is one thing from the past week that has made you mad or upset and one thing that made you happy or laugh. I will start. I'll go with my bad thing first because it's not really that bad, but it just really upset me. So I've been growing out my natural nails now for quite some time mm. and made it all the way to the nail shop soaked off my SNS and broke my nail. What, what is SNS? SNS is a dip powder that you put on top of your nails to make your nails hard and give it the clacky clack clack. Okay. Get your designs and all that jazz going. Okay. And yeah, and it literally just like broke and it just really upset me because... <laughs> I've been growing. It broke at the nail salon. It broke at the nail salon. Like literally flew across like the pedicure seat. Like it was very tragic. Yeah, and y'all can't see Marcella's nails, but her nails are are very long. Um, So and those are your real nails. Yes. That's amazing. My real nails, (laughs) and so yeah. So now I had to put a tip on it. Tip. Put a tip on one. (laughs) One. Yeah. Oh, you got like a false nail. Yeah. Ooh. (laughs) This one. Innovative. <laughs> Nail science. <laughs> it's a thing. And then um, one thing that made me really happy was I had brunch with my friends on Sunday that we haven't seen for a while. Aww. And like two of, these are like two of my homeboys from college and both of their wives are pregnant now, about to have a baby like any day. So it was like Aww. our last little hoorah before they become fathers. Mm. I was like, oh. Like fatherhood, and they about to have little girls. Just warms my little heart. Oh, that's did so you cook? cute. Y'all order? I did cook. I made some shrimp and grits. They were delicious. Wow. Oh, um, Ronnie, my friend Ronnie made some breakfast potatoes. Okay. Then we had the mimosas. I made some donuts, some fresh fruit. Y'all had a whole spread. Whole spread. It was good. Too. <laughs> Wish I had some leftovers, but we bodied all of that. That sounds good. I appreciate black men that brunch. Yeah. You know, there's 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 some. I'm looking at you. <laughs> I, I like brunch. I know you like brunch, but there there's some, you know, cis, cis heteros black men that that won't brunch. That won't brunch. That no. won't eat breakfast for lunch. Oh for no. real? Yes. Oh gosh. Is there mm. why? Brunch is, is it because it's gay or something? Yes. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I think I think you could I don't know if it's taken, but Black Men That Brunch is a mean Instagram handle. Like, you could probably mm-hmm. start a movement there. Why, why, why would I start the movement? You could start a movement. I mean, I'm not going to. <laughs> I barely post on my own Instagram. You could, like, live out a fake persona on social media. What would your fake Matthew persona be? I would be a white man <laughs> so that I could do whatever I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, what about you, Khadija? One thing that made you happy, one thing that made you upset? Yeah, um, I'll start on the positive. 
So I finished all of my coursework for my PhD program. Whoop, whoop. That's Congratulations. Dr. Deesh. Yay. <laughs> so no longer <laughs> um, taking classes. Got us academic. I know. Scholar. Still have a long way to go. Several milestones still ahead. <laughs> it's, a, it's a fun part, though. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yes, I'm done with the, the classes, which is nice. Um, and then something that made me upset over these past couple of weeks has been all these corporations, and we've already seen this with like Pride Month and stuff, all these corporations with their rainbow attire <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and just making everything a rainbow, um, even though we know a lot of these corporations our donors to anti, um, anti-gay um, politicians. But I've seen a lot with Juneteenth now that it's a federal holiday, and I don't like that. Yeah. I don't mm-hmm. like the commodification. Freedom off week. I did, I didn't, I did not like the napkins that said, it's the freedom for me. Like, really? What? Yeah, that was, that's terrible. <laughs> didn't Walmart have, like, some ice cream or something? Yeah, mm-hmm. like some red velvet ice cream. This actually sounds delicious. I listen, I appreciate the red velvet ice cream, but why gotta be Juneteenth ice cream? And why they tried to trademark Juneteenth? They put like a little a Who TM. Juneteenth great TM. value. And why we had to get great value? Like we couldn't even get great the good value. ice cream. Mm. That's like not even yeah. real ice cream. That's like flavored ice. <laughs> milk product yes (laughs) (laughs) no i don't like that and i also am pretty sure i don't like that juneteenth is a federal holiday yeah i said it i don't like it (laughs) because (laughs) i just feel like basically all these white people with their fancy blue collar jobs white collar jobs Um, get to have off while, you know, service workers disproportionately got to work and who is disproportionately a service worker. So now all the white people have Mm -hmm. off and all the black people have to work. Showing up at your business on Juneteenth. (laughs) Right. Man, that's a good point. Mm -hmm. Damn. I know it is. Uh, (laughs) I know. So your policy would be... Only black, black people. people all. Yes. <laughs> only, I mean, only us. That's the whole point. I mean, it makes sense. It is our holiday. It is. You know. Yeah. We was late. It should be something like like how people can take off religious holidays that mm-hmm. pertain to their religion. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't let us have nothing to ourselves, though. So. Mm-hmm. But how how about you, Paula? What's something that made you happy and upset this past week? Yeah, I will start with the upset because I like to end on a positive note. But the thing that made me like upset, but more so like sad when I say upset, was um, at the end of the last episode of The Read, Kid Fury announced that he uh, will be taking a break or might need to take a break. I couldn't, mm-hmm. I, I was doing stuff while I was listening to it, you know, I'd be cleaning and stuff. But I think he said that he is going to take a break, like they're going to take a break um, on the podcast because he's just been like he's at a level with his mental health where um I guess his uh therapist and um people close to him have just said it's kind of like an emergency situation Mm. where he really needs to take care of his mental health um which 
Yeah, I mean, and then he was like crying as he was explaining it. Um, and just that like he feels like such a um responsibility kind of to the listeners and you know, knowing that people how much people in, enjoy the podcast and um really rely on it, you know, and so he felt like quite like, you know, it just seems like he felt like some guilt around having mm-hmm. to take a break and having to admit that and all everything. Um and it was just, it was just sad. Like, damn, like, you know, I love Kid Fury. So mm-hmm. to know that he's like going through that, it was hard to hear. He he has talked about it um, mm-hmm. before. It didn't come out of nowhere. Like he mm-hmm. definitely um, will talk about his um, mental health journey and his mental health struggles um, on the podcast. But um, I don't know. I think I was hopeful because he was talking about it over time that like, oh, maybe it's like, you know, getting better. I knew he was in therapy. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, like Crystal is also um, in school. So like she, you know, she was doing Crystal's couch. So she kind of like comes at stuff from like a therapist perspective and and can give that advice, too. So I just I don't know. I kind of thought, you know, he was maintaining a bit more i guess Mm um i mean just from listening to the podcast i don't know him but (laughs) (laughs) um (laughs) but like yeah just i was just kind of like dang like that's how it that's really how it happens though like and that's it was just really real Mm -hmm. um and so it was it was i think helpful um i think what he did was really powerful and really helpful for other people who might be struggling as well but you know just like kind of more on a personal level about him like i just it just made me really sad to know mm-hmm. um and i hope he's okay like he's um so talented and just like mm-hmm. so dope i think that he's really busy it sounds like he has his um hand in a lot of projects and stuff mm-hmm. so i think he's probably really stressed out and i i think that um you know it's good for him to take a break for sure how much time going he hard needs. for a while for years. They've been doing that podcast for like over a decade, I think. Wow. Yeah. And I've listened to every episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I remember yeah. the first time I like ever saw anything of Kid Fury was on YouTube and it was like when Beyonce had that first concert after she had Blue. So mm. and we know Blue is like a whole grown adult now. So <laughs> Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. And he was like making videos and mm-hmm. just doing a lot of stuff on the internet even before the read. So he's very near and dear to a lot of people's hearts. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's just interesting how people are struggling now and just, yeah, it's just, it's a lot mm-hmm. of stress uh, on people. And I, I, I totally understand. I think, you know, as we get into this episode, we'll touch on those things and kind of, you know, why some of the reasons why that is right now, but yeah. Well, the thing that made me happy um, was, uh, did y'all see Lil Nas X, Fuck BET? Um, <laughs> <laughs> like that song he just dropped? Yes. I don't think, that's not the name of the song. I don't know what the name of the song is. I think it's is, like but... Late to the Party or something. Late to the Party. Yeah, yeah. that is it. But no, nah, it's lit. I like it. It's a good ass song. Um, the clip that I heard of it. But that part, Fuck BET, Fuck BET. I was like, okay. <laughs> right. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, they did like not give him any award nominations. Like, that ain't not not even one. Did he say they yeah. never given him a nomination, or just this cycle since his album came out? This cycle. Okay. Yeah. I think he was nominated once before, um, for the for some BT award. I don't think he won, but um, and then he also performed at one of their shows, mm-hmm. one of the um, the last two years, and. 
BET responded and they said that like they are not in charge. Like they have a group of like 500, I don't know, other people who make the like um, who decide, I guess, like who's in the running, who's nominated. So they said, we love Lil Nas X. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't us. Don't blame us. Hyper. They had a little statement <laughs> or whatever. been doing that game for a long time now. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it just adds like, um, what's the term? Insult to in- injury? Is that a term? Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, <laughs> in terms of like who they have nominated like this cycle in the past. Um, compared to all of the Black queer artists that they haven't nominated. I know this time they nominated Jack Harlow. Jake Harlow? Mm-hmm. Jack Harlow. Jack. Jack. <laughs> Let's just call him Jake. <laughs> Jake Harlow. Jake. And literally, like, one of his biggest songs is a feature on a little Nas X song. And Lil mm-hmm. Nas X isn't nominated, but they have this Curly haired white boy nominated. I feel a way. I support. I don't Lil think Nas white X. people should be allowed. Um, <laughs> at the B E T O B Black mm. Entertainment. Remember when B E T used to like, show music videos? I was just thinking about 106 and Park and Free mm-hmm. and AJ. Yeah. Good times. <laughs> And rap city. I saw a tweet that was like coming home and watching 106 and Park after school was so relaxing or something like that. And it <laughs> mm. took me back. I was really like, wow, it really was. Yeah. <laughs> it was great. Couldn't wait to get home after school, watch 106 and Park, have my little after school snack. <laughs> yes. The wind down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of snacks were you eating? Um, salt and vinegar chips yeah. or some flaming hot Cheetos. I would stop by the candy lady house when I got off the bus. And so I would get like a pickle, um, one of the little freeze cups. And sometimes if you caught her, like at a certain time, she might be cooking dinner. So you might be able to get you a plate. Oh, dang. <laughs> you bought plates from the candy lady? Sure did. <laughs> dang. That's fancy. $5. I, I asked because I knew the answer was going to be hood. But I did not expect <laughs> dinner plates. <laughs> Dinner place, yeah. Mm-hmm. Go there. She make she be frying up some fish. Get you a little fish sandwich. Oh, I love that. Backbone of the community. I'm trying to that. tell Bring you, man. Bring back candy lady. Bring back the candy lady. I miss her. What about you, Matthew? What's your sad, upset, and happy laugh moment? <laughs> yeah, I've been um, really upset. I think you know, generally it's sad when people die, but um, trouble. So Atlanta mm. rapper. Um, was murdered, um, shot in the chest um, by, you know, a guy that broke into um, his ex-girlfriend's house and beat her up um, and then shot trouble. And it's just been really unsettling. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, of course, I I never met trouble, um, but just to see um, sort of the outpouring of love. I know that he was really well respected in the city. Um He's young, man. He's 34 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just really sad. Um, in general, when I when when people are murdered, it's sad. But I think when a celebrity happens and there's like a consensus outpouring of love and oh, we can't allow this to keep happening, um, it just always reminds me of how like you know we just put people's flames out super early, man, and just how mm-hmm. how violence really takes a lot of the 
future from a lot of a lot of our community um, mm-hmm. and people's family members. You know, the, his kids now have to grow up without their father, and mm-hmm. um, yeah. So it's just it's it's really sad for the city, and the city's just been going through a lot for um, sure. with all the young thug and gunner stuff, and um, you know whether it's guilty or not guilty. I think it's just been uh, sad that the predicament a lot of our people have been in um in atlanta so mm-hmm. uh, that's just sort of been weighing on me a bit um, i think yeah. i saw that metro boomin's um mm-hmm. mom was yeah. murdered in a yeah. murder suicide yep. mm-hmm. by her partner and we'll get into gun violence later um but it's just really sad and scary and it's you know definitely just I'm sure we'll talk about this more, but just, you know, unchecked toxic masculinity and, you know, black women, we have the highest domestic violence rate. We're more likely to be, you know, murdered by, you know, our partner. Um, I think the leading cause of um, death by pregnant black women is like domestic violence. Mm. Um, So it's definitely Mm. a huge issue. And, you know, I hope that some of these high-profile incidents bring some action within our community. Um, and, you know, it's not just more of the same, but it's really sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just in Atlanta in general, it has been just, like, a lot of death of, like, just a lot of Atlanta OGs, I guess. Like, yep. I mean, the list is, just this year is, like, ridiculously long. Mm-hmm. And summer just started, man. Right. Like the, the city is city is on fire man so I'm, yeah. just, I'm hoping everybody has a safe summer for sure um yeah yeah but then you know things that are making me happier is the nba finals <laughs> basketball is <laughs> is on and popping yay sports um, even with your team your team not not in the finals. yeah the hawks aren't there um it's actually very peaceful not having your team in the nba finals Less stressful. it's so stressful to have your team playing. um now you can just enjoy yeah i just enjoy and watch you know, these these guys ball, these millionaires play basketball on television. So um, <laughs> I'm hoping for a long series, seven games. I don't really care who wins. Um, but yeah, basketball brings brings me joy. He's playing basketball. <laughs> Such great black male representation for our, our group. I yes. try to be. Hold it down, Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> But um, okay, we'll go on to our um, our our topics for this episode. So the first one, um, very closely related to uh, you know what Matthew just brought up with um, the shooting death of Trouble. So we want to talk about gun violence. Um, there's been a lot of shooting deaths and mass shootings lately. Um, you know the two that kind of I feel like are really weighing on. Black people and um, people of color, like really heavy right now. Um, two recent ones, the one in Buffalo, New York, um, this white supremacist like targeted a grocery store in a black neighborhood um, and 10 black people were killed. Um, a lot of them uh, seniors um, and there were three others who were injured. And then in Valdi, Texas, uh, the shooter that targeted the elementary school, killing 19 children and two teachers and injured 
um, 17 other people. And then that um, town is like primarily Mexican-American. And then so like 90% of the students in the school were Latino. Um, I want to say all, definitely most or all of um, the children who um, died were Latino. Um, And yeah, so I think, you know, that has been like really, really weighing us down, Um, you know, particularly me, like, I don't know, just waking up like to that news, like back Mm -hmm. to back and like other like shootings in between that didn't even like necessarily make become as big of stories, but still happened and were reported on. And I saw tweets about Mm -hmm. constant and it's just, yeah, it's just, it's super stressful. And it's like, it's a problem that like is so preventative and I think that like, it's so it's senseless. And so Mm -hmm. that's what kind of also makes it like, this shit fucking sucks. Um, But yeah, so like the problem of gun violence, um, it's a problem that disproportionately impacts black people in other marginalized communities. Um, And it's a public health issue. I think we need to really like address it as such. And because I feel like it's not often framed as a public health issue, um, but it definitely is. And like other health issues and outcomes, black people are really, um, you know, suffering. And just some statistics on that are that gun violence is the leading cause of death for black men under the age of 55. Um, Also 60% of firearm homicide victims in the U.S. are black Americans, yet we only account for less than 15% of the population. And like over the last decade, um, suicide among black people by um, by firearm has increased um, by like over 30 percent. So, yeah, so. It's a huge problem. And um, I think a lot, you know, obviously a lot of us know this. Um, I just think it's interesting, like with the kind of like mass shooting conversation, like that's not really framed as like a. an issue that really affects black people, um, but is obviously very interconnected and, you know, related to um, gun violence that, you know, maybe there's one or two victims and, and, you know, I guess like shootings that aren't like considered mass shootings. Um, mm-hmm. It's really connected to like the availability um, of guns in our uh, society. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reasons like that it really impacts black people um, racism, of course, like we always say. So mm-hmm. it's like, it's, it's fueled by the same things, you know, same structural racist reasons. So things like income inequality, um, high levels of poverty, um, underfunded housing, under-resourced public services, underperforming schools, uh, lack of opportunities and like perceptions of hopelessness, um, you know, mental health issues and trauma easy access to firearms as well. So, you know, Black people were more likely to live in very, very segregated and, and um, neighborhoods and like high concentrations of poverty. All of those things I just mentioned, less uh, resource public services, poor education, uh, underfunded public housing, um, and just like less economic opportunities and less access to healthcare. Um, so, all of those factors, because we're more likely to live in those types of environments. Um, That's why gun violence also affects uh, us um, pretty badly and disproportionately. Um, So, yeah, I think, you know, Khadija, you had brought in some other stuff too about like 
like toxic masculinity and like how it relates as well to um, like gender-based violence, um, gun-related violence in that space. Um, so there's a lot of like intersections here with other issues um, and just like violence overall and like what violence is like indicative of in society. Um, but yeah, like basically like in summary, like for me, like I really think the pro-gun movement is like a conspiracy against Black people. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, like this is like another tool and like that's got people all riled up because they're racist and it's us who uh, we're the ones who are like more heavily affected. So they don't care. And all this like we want our guns like it's really it's it's um it's a problem for us because it's just like the circulation of guns in society um, ends up impacting us and killing us. Um, and I think Black people should really be advocating for a gun-free society. Um, but I know like that might be a controversial opinion, but that's my belief. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I also, you know, wrapped up in this as well is like police violence is gun violence. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, police get to like justify and like their justification will hold up in court basically about like why they had to shoot and kill a Black person every other damn day um, because they're able to say they were afraid the person had a gun. And then, you know, like that belief in the, um, like that, like believable, like, um, that's due to like the saturation of guns in our country, um, that just fuels all of that, makes that claim have, uh, hold water to believe that someone would have a gun because yeah, there are a lot of guns in our society. You don't Mm -hmm. really know who. Right. Um, so yeah, so I'll stop there and just what do y'all think like about like all of this and then just like some of the proposed solutions, like what solutions, like I said, I think we need to be gun free, but I know some people feel like, you know, it's okay to be armed just responsibly, things like that. So like, I'm wondering what y'all thoughts are. I'm kind of with you on the whole gun free thing, Pablo, because like, I just like, why do we need them? Like, really, why do we need them? Mm-hmm. If you're thinking outside of, oh, I needed to protect myself. Yes, from other people with guns. Mm-hmm. But if they, if no one has guns. Yeah, a lot a lot of, like, the Second Amendment folks um, and are pro-gun because of protection. But the original idea was protection from the government, right? You wanted to be able to protect yourselves from your government overtaking you or taking your rights. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, like for militias. For militias and everything like militias. that. Um, and which we, we're still seeing a lot of like militias being formed today. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's like a protection of the populace against uh, the government. Uh, but I think the reality is like our, our government's military now is just way too strong. Right. There's like not enough guns. <laughs> not enough guns. <laughs> um, and the private by private citizens' hands to actually protect ourselves from our military. We don't have the, we don't have nuclear bombs. We don't have tanks. Tanks. Yeah. It's <laughs> just like, um, so creating a society, um, and and I think you know even connected to that, you know the over militarization of America, um, is directly connected to you know our gun issue, um, mm-hmm. and how we treat other countries and. Um, yeah, so it's all, it's all connected there. No guns would be interesting. 
Yeah. That's why it's a conspiracy because like the pro-gun, it's like a farce and a conspiracy because like what you said, Matthew, how it's like connected to the Second Amendment. Like, I don't think, I don't think these people really care about what's in the Constitution because as well in the Constitution, you have like all these, it's a right to protest, right? And they're like rolling back all types of like, you know, putting all these restrictions on like protesting and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I, thought, I just feel like it's just, it's another tactic to basically like keep society in control and oppressed. And they wasn't always let people have their guns either. Like NRA used to actually, you know, be in support of gun control, especially when the Panthers was out there with their guns. Mm-hmm. So it's like they flip-flop their stance based on how it benefits them or doesn't. Exactly. So, yeah. no, kind like, of. What'd you say, Marcy? Oh, no, I was just going to say, so yeah, I agree. I think it is a conspiracy, Paula. <laughs> yeah, and like, um, you were talking about this earlier, but like, I was listening to this podcast and they were talking about how like, um, in California, like the reason that California has like stricter than other states uh, gun gun control laws is because of the Black Panthers and because they were like, you know, walking around their neighborhoods with guns and arming themselves. And mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. And doing Black police people. patrols. Mm-hmm. And so then during the Reagan administration, they passed like all of these like, Basically, oh, there's no reason for people to have, for private citizens to have guns and just basically to, uh, they pass all these um, laws to like restrict the Black Panthers activities. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's why California has more, like even to this day has stricter gun control laws is just because it was to further oppress and suppress Black people. That's why I'm like, it's all mm-hmm. like what to do in service of that goal I feel like is what that's what they'll rally behind and say all this crap now about like rights to our guns and and like I mean like to the point of like any type of like proposal like mental health checks or something you know background checks like they fight tooth and nail against that right like not even like you no one can have a gun it's just that like we're gonna make it we're trying to make it safer not even just like harder for anybody but safer for everybody mm-hmm. and that stuff gets like like you know they're fighting against that and then saying things like less armed teachers that's the stupidest thing i've ever <laughs> heard in my life like, like y'all pay teachers dirt they already do too much and now you want them to be carrying guns too a soldier a soldier. teacher slash soldier mm-hmm. <laughs> where where did we draw the line it's that and then <laughs> You know, we already have militarized schools and mm-hmm. like a horrendous like school to prison pipeline. And so right. I can only imagine, you know, you arming. Could you imagine a teacher shooting a student? Yeah, exactly. That would happen. That would happen. And it's going to be in black schools. This exactly. also going to disproportionately impact black kids. Because if like if it's like oh what schools do we target to make sure teachers are armed? Mm-hmm. It's gonna be oh schools where there's high levels schools. of violence in the neighborhood or something like that, or like high levels of students, you know, high risk students or something. Mm-hmm. And that's gonna be predominantly black neighborhoods. So it's gonna be all these teachers in these black neighborhoods with guns. No thanks. That is crazy. No, <laughs> and then no, guns can get stolen, so students can steal guns. 
somebody anywhere from the street could still gun still the gun from the teacher. It's just gonna be a hot mess. A hot ass mess. Yeah. And I think um, you know, related to mental health, I think there's like two sides. Like there's a very real reality of you know, just the current state of the world and like feeling like hopelessness and um, mental health um, challenges, particularly in youth rising, like that is a real like reality. But there's also this rhetoric I've seen a lot from the right um, trying to place the blame on these massacres on like these lone wolves that, um, you know, it's a mm-hmm. mental health issue where they were bullied Mm-hmm. Um, when we know like these mostly white young men are being radicalized, <laughs> like they're right. literally white nationalists, like this is not a mental health issue, A. And B, <laughs> like these Republicans, like y'all say mental health. What have y'all done to increase mental health access? Nothing. Crickets. Crickets. Exactly. And the thing with the whole mental health thing that gets me too is one, I feel like it pushes the narrative that like people who have mental health disorders are violent. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's I mean, the opposite. Like yeah. they're more targeted by violence mm-hmm. and police brutality. And then it's also like, so you just have to accept the fact some people are just fucking evil. Like there is no, oh, they had this or they was, you know, some people. What they say in Batman, some people just want to watch the world burn. Like, mm-hmm. that literally be the motive. Like, there isn't one. They just want to fuck some shit up and go. Yeah. I mean, the <clears throat> prevalence of, of mental illness specifically is pretty normalized across countries. And we don't see massacres mm-hmm. for the same amount across in other, in other countries. So it's the access to guns um, that one, you know, provides the opportunity for mass shootings, provides the opportunity for uh, death by suicide. Um, And then I think, too, going back to a point that Khadija made, like they're, these folks are being radicalized on the internet. Mm -hmm. And there's these conspiracies Mm -hmm. um, about, you know, the the Buffalo shooter believed in the great replacement theory, Mm -hmm. right? That white people were being replaced by immigrants. And that in order to stop it, they had to kill people of color. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there are these like fringe movements that are really harming people um, and like getting in the minds of, um, you know, young white men, encouraging them to go out and commit violence act, violent acts. And so, you know, at, at the crux of it is white supremacy mm-hmm. um, and white fear mm-hmm. of not being uh, the quote unquote dominant race. And that is really what's spurring on um, a lot of violence in, in communities, you know, get to get to Paula's point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of scary. Like the way my children will never have access to YouTube. Just, <laughs> right. Like I told you the people on. who want to move off the map <laughs> and just be out in the middle of nowhere mm-hmm. raising their kids. Cause every day I get like, yep, find me a nice little patch but of land. A replacement theory has been talked about on Fox News. Like, right, it's not fringe, is the thing. Mm -hmm. These are ideologies that are very Mm -hmm. accessible, available, and you know, millions of people are absorbing this. And let's not get into it, but we can. But how that (laughs) is actually 
very much seeping into black male spaces. Ooh, not mm. the manosphere. <laughs> Talk yes. about the manosphere on our podcast. Let's do it. <laughs> in, a, in suits disguised as. I've never heard the term manosphere. Oh. For real? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's a broader manosphere, a yeah. manosphere ecosystem, as you mm-hmm. will, with, with white manospherians. But there's also a subsection of black manosphere. You got the black conservative manosphere, black hotepi manosphere. Mm. You know, you got black traditionalist manosphere. Okay, Mm. that's a bunch of them. Is manosphere a synonym for patriarchy, or or different? It's an ecosystem of thought, of talking heads. Got you. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I would describe it like, yeah, like it kind of describes the stuff that we're seeing on YouTube, on Fox News, on Twitter. It's like a social media stuff. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> that's why it seems like everybody just repeats the same rhetoric over and over and mm-hmm. over and over and over again. And that's the thing that gets me about it is like people just regurgitate stuff. You can tell that like no one's actually doing their own actual like mm-hmm. in-depth research about anything. I mean, unless, well, they consider YouTube research now, but you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Real like research. lately I've been... I've been seeing like tweets and like kind of like this framing of an argument that like women don't take accountability for anything. Like uh, mm-hmm. suddenly a bunch of men have just started saying that. And I'm like, where did you get that from? Like a podcast. that women particularly have a problem with accountability. And it's just, I don't know. I feel like a lot of men are very angry. A lot of black men are very angry. And I think it's because of income inequality, but they don't know that. that that's what the problem <laughs> is like really upsetting them like I mean or maybe they know but like it's like I don't know it's like they're also just targets I guess for a lot of this rhetoric and they're really falling for it like I don't know yeah I mean and I, I think, think I yeah sorry. go ahead Paula I can't be a man oh, I was interrupting just, I was you. just gonna <laughs> <laughs> no I, was, I let you go because I was kind of gonna move into the next topic because I was gonna say I think that that's kind of related to like like some of the frustrations that men feel I think, you know, it's just like like patriarch patriarchal sexes mm-hmm. and that's kind of the some of the problems that we are about to talk about. But you can go ahead first. Yeah, I mean I I, I agree with you. I think um what we see um and what like the literature on oppression says is that those who are oppressed, in this case black men, um often envy the oppressors, the, being white mm. men, um, and want to replicate their actions. And so that manifests itself as um, violence against women um, or hate towards women. And even with the trouble stuff, you know, <clears throat> there was a yeah. the woman, ex-girlfriend of the, the murderer. Um, you know, a lot of people were like, yeah, she shouldn't have had him in the house. If she mm. wasn't, if, you know, this is her fault. If she would have, you know, done X, Y, Z, he wouldn't have got killed. Um, and it's like, no, if, if this dude hadn't, wouldn't broke into a house, and killed someone, then trouble would be alive, right? And it's not the woman's fault um, for a man's violent act action, right? He broke into the house, started punching her in the face. Trouble actually started to defend her, and that's when uh, he was shot and killed. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think we have to, as men, do better um, and really think through our actions. Um, but I, I, again, I think I agree with you, Paula. Like we also for a large part, can't see the other structural factors that are at play. 
that influence our thoughts and behaviors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's a good segue into um, the second topic that we wanted to cover today, which really um, relates to these intersecting forms of white supremacy and patriarchy and other forms of oppression. And that topic is the recent attacks on transgender rights, on reproductive rights. Um, Yeah, just a lot of overlapping human rights. Um, So just like an update on kind of what's going on um, in two particular areas. So abortion access and um, healthcare access for transgender youth. Um, So I'll start with the transgender youth healthcare access. So since 2021, there has been an uptick in state-level legislation that has been introduced to attack the rights of transgender youth and adults broadly, and then specifically around um, attacking the rights of gender-affirming health care. Um, and so that those types of attacks have kind of spanned from bans on transgender athletes from participating in sports um, consistent with their gender identities um, to allowing citizens to report parents and guardians of transgender children to authorities for abuse to um, restrictions on ID cards and other forms of documentation um, from reflecting someone's gender identity. We're seeing a lot of curriculum bans. um, So in addition to kind of the critical race theory bans. I don't know if we talked about that yet. That could be a whole other topic. But <laughs> um, And like the don't say gay bills. Um, we've seen bans on transgender students being able to use bathrooms that correspond with their gender identity. Um, so it's just been like over these past kind of year and a half, just like this onslaught of um, legislative um, proposals that have been put up at the state level. And as it relates to healthcare, we have seen 20 states introduce bills that prohibit or impede the administration of gender affirming healthcare for transgender minors. Um, and this includes um, limiting access to puberty blocking medication, hormone therapy, and even mental health care services for trans youth. And states like Florida, Oklahoma, and Alabama have even gone as far as proposing bills that would make it a felony for medical providers to provide transition-related care to transgender minors. Um, And then the kind of second related um, attack on rights we've seen um, really grow in these past few months has been on access to abortions. So last year, the Supreme Court... um, agreed to hear a challenge to Mississippi's 15-week abortion ban, which really set the court up to potentially dismantle the Roe v. Wade decision. And then about a month ago in May, a draft Supreme Court opinion from Justice Alito was leaked that signaled the courts um, uh, wanting to overturn Roe. And what this means is if Roe v. Wade is overturned, over half the states in the country um, are likely to implement laws that will ban abortions, with 13 states having trigger laws, um, basically laws that 
will allow um, bans on abortions to happen immediately if Roe v. Wade is overturned. And this impact impacts not just people in, you know, half of the country that have um, abortion prohibition laws, but also everyone else, because even if you're in a state that will um, continue to offer legalized abortions if Roe is overturned, um, there's just going to be a huge impediment to access to abortions due to um, like overcrowding and individuals from states with banned abortion laws um, going to states where it's still legalized. Um, and we wanted to bring this up because, you know, when I see the framing of um, these topics around reproductive sexual health justice, um, I feel like I don't really see a lot of it framed as like a black health issue, but it absolutely is. Um, and just an example of kind of how intersecting forms of oppression via policy operates. Um, and, you know, these are black health issues because they disproportionately will have already and will continue to impact black communities. So um, these anti-trans laws and um, anti-abortion laws are concentrated in red states which we know are clustered in um, the Midwest and importantly, the South. Um, and so this relates to Black people because Black people um, are overrepresented in the South. So over half of Black Americans currently live in the South. Um, and this also impacts, um, you know, Black, queer, and trans folks as well, disproportionately because more queer and trans identifying people live in the South than any other region of the U.S. Um, so one in three queer and trans adults in the U.S. live in the South. Um, and more than 40% of the queer and trans people that live in the South are people of color. Um, something else that kind of overlaps with all of this is that the South has um, consistently ranks worse in health and social outcomes. Um, so Southerners in general and Black Southerners specifically experience um, health disparities when it comes to chronic diseases like heart disease, stroke, diabetes, when it comes to HIV outcomes, maternal infant mortality outcomes, and overall life expectancy. Um, so like these legal attacks on sexual and reproductive health care access um, just like accumulates, is accumulating in a region where Black people already experience um, worse out health outcomes and just diminish healthcare access. Um, and it's important to note that the South still has lots of other barriers to healthcare access, including lack of Medicaid expansion still in many Southern states and just continued rural hospital closures. Um, so yeah, we bring up this topic topic. I feel like both of our topics today really cover um, intersecting forms of oppression and how systems of oppression like white supremacy and patriarchy and sexism and queerphobia really work together to subjugate those with multi-marginalized social identities. Um, so yeah, I wanted to hear from you all, like, what are your thoughts about kind of this uptick in um, these laws are really attacking the rights of marginalized groups. Yeah, I think like the way you framed it as like, like an issue showing how like it intersects with other issues and it shows how like these, these systems intersect to like further oppress people. 
like I knew the concept of intersectionality, but like, I don't know, that kind of made something like really click for me in a way. Like, and I was thinking about how, like, you know, how like in the 13th, the documentary, Mm -hmm. it, it basically, you know, sets the case and makes the argument that after slavery was abolished, like, you know, the U.S. had to figure out kind of like other ways to enact slavery um, and the prison system, you know, became that solution, basically. And I feel like, you know, with us kind of seeming like we're making, you know, making headway or moving ground or agitating at least a lot about like racial issues, Mm -hmm. I think by like attacking these other issues, like and increasing um, restrictions on on people like you know particularly just like women and with the ability to get an abortion and um sorry uh like people who give birth and the ability to um get an abortion and um as well as like transgender people like i feel like this is just other ways to like you know kind of like be racist Mm -hmm. um and just ensure like you know there's always a group of people who are going to be oppressed and um unable you know to like really have full agency in society and like live an optimal life and so you know just kind of be more so victimized by society and workers for factories shit like like that's my thing that's Mm -hmm. my conspiracy like all of this (laughs) is just so that billionaires have workers Mm -hmm. they keep us under their heel so that they can direct us into their factories when amazon needs to send something like (laughs) (laughs) but yeah like yeah um these corporations honestly mm-hmm. yeah no they literally fund these politicians that mm-hmm. they're pushing these policies yeah i didn't know about the um trigger laws designed mm-hmm. to go into impact and uh, affect immediately um if roe v wade is overturned i think that's a really mm-hmm. interesting point um and scary right it's it's like we've been waiting for this. No, it's, yeah. it's a long yeah. game. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. And, you know, reproductive justice advocates, particularly, you know, black and queer folks that have been in this space have been warning for years mm-hmm. <laughs> that, you know, these politicians are, we're waiting for this to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, like they're literally just waiting. <laughs> they have all this stuff in place and ready to go. Mm-hmm. Isn't Georgia one of those 13 states? Probably. It wouldn't surprise me. Because <laughs> I know he was trying to get the heartbeat bill passed at one point. Mm-hmm. And that failed. Mm-hmm. But... Yeah, and I mean, that's basically... So, you know, over these past few years, we've seen a lot of these red states try to put forward these really restrictive abortion bills. And they've all been shut down because Roe v. Wade is there. Mm-hmm. But once that federal protection is gone, then, you know, when these states put re-put up these bills, like, it's mm-hmm. going to get passed. I just don't know yeah. why they care so much about what other people do with their bodies. And, like, it doesn't, I don't, I don't understand the fascination. Yeah, I feel like... I kind of agree with Paul. With Paul, it's a conspiracy. It's all, yeah, it's control. Yeah. And it's all yeah. like related. It's related to what Matthew brought up before about like the Great Replacement Theory, and you know they want you know all these. They want a. They want more white babies, but they also want more you know black babies and other 
you know, marginalized babies to be the workers. But um, yeah, it's like all it's all related. It's all mm-hmm. it's all interrelated. Mm-hmm. I was uh, reading this um, thread on Twitter that like about these um, these uh, anti-trans uh, anti-trans uh, measure that passed in Ohio mm-hmm. for um, trans athletes. So um, this woman was like outlining like basically like why she was going to take her daughter out of sports in Ohio or no, she was saying she wouldn't, if she lived in Ohio, I don't think she did live in Ohio. She was saying if she did live there, she would not let her daughter play sports because this, um, this bill had just passed. And basically she was like saying like the impact of it was basically like, so anybody, like literally anybody could come and say, like, I don't think that student athlete is really this gender. Mm. And so like challenge the, the, the gender identity of a, of a kid playing a sport. And so they could challenge that. And then like the school and the whole school system would like have to basically like prove that the athlete was the gender of the team that they're playing on. And to prove that it could take, um, blood test or like a pelvic exam oh my gosh yeah a genital um, test yeah yeah um and just like a you know a, a like physical test just making sure their organs they have reproductive organs and all that kind of stuff and um yeah and so like so so even those some of those things wouldn't even be covered by insurance so probably like the parent i guess would be paying out of pocket and then, and then, so then you'd have to like subject your kid to these like, you know, very invasive exams at a young age. It could, I think it could affect athletes, students who are like as young as like 12 or something, 11, 12. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like, if like, let's say, I don't know, like you lose the case, like you're not really a girl or whatever, then by the standards of the, the medical exams, then the school is on the hook would have to could pay have to pay damages or something like that what? to the person <laughs> who sued them so the person who who wrote the thread they were basically saying what that means is that probably like you know if this really takes off like probably schools are going to require that all girl athletes do these exams before they're allowed oh, to even join no. a sports team because they will want to have that paperwork that documentation on file in the event that someone did sue them so like, so, you know, to already be protected against that risk. So it's like, and that like just passed in Ohio, like, I'm like, that's sick. And it's like, who is going to be affected? It's going to be some little girl who's like a little Serena Williams in the making. Right, it's gonna They're going to be like, oh, that's the man. Black girls. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's going to be <laughs> black girls. And then the fact that like these medical exams, like they, they can't, like there are people who are in the margins of all mm-hmm. these different tests or like you know in in the betweens of all these different tests so who gets to decide like who is what gender it's just it's so twisted yeah we gotta homeschool our babies mm-hmm. on, our, on our black health commune yes. <laughs> i was just thinking like why do schools have sports in any way right we could i mean i guess we could fund our own sports leagues um for kids to have activities but 
It's just like, oh, mm-hmm. public schools are agents of the state for the most part um, and are going to do as the state requires. Um, and if there's a way um, to create a more expansive, um, equitable sports league for kids to participate in, mm-hmm. um, could we do that? I think that would be cool. I also heard about how, like, the belief that, like, women are worse than men in sports is, like, totally not true. Like, (laughs) and that the idea that, like, if you had, like, you know, all gendered uh, competing events, like, that women would just get smoked and everything is not true. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that the kind of the history, the history of, like, sports being gendered is because they used to let women join like predominantly male leagues and women would smoke the men often <laughs> they got tired of losing. i'm so serious <laughs> i'll look it up and send all the links but i was just i was like wow because i think a lot of us just ex- kind of accept that premise as true mm-hmm. like you know like oh there are some biological differences and like yeah like men versus women's sports women probably would lose a lot but like they said like not necessarily like don't just accept that mm-hmm. either because that's a common argument you know people make for for these um these laws that need to be in place particularly when it comes to sports you know Mm -hmm. yeah it's probably also directly related to gender norms right and how Mm -hmm. young girls are supposed to appear and act and be um versus in what's acceptable behavior for for boys Mm -hmm. um yeah so that's interesting yeah and i just wanted to and with just a comment that um, this also relates to abolition and how abolition should be a public health issue because I think both of these cases, um, the attacks on transgender healthcare access and attacks on access to abortions um, relate to how marginalized people are criminalized for a myriad of health reasons. So. Mm-hmm. I'm very pro public health <laughs> practitioners being abolitionists. Mm-hmm. That's real. Yeah. All right, y'all. So thank you all for listening to this podcast episode. Uh, we do have a few things happening. Uh, if you're local to Atlanta, uh, Black Health and Emoja Life are partnering for the seventh annual Juneteenth Emoja Fest. Uh, this event will be a celebration of all things Black. Um, So we'll have food, uh, entertainment, we'll have Black vendors, and of course, we'll have some health screenings there. Um, So if you're in Atlanta on June 18th, uh, we invite you to come out. Go to the event section on our website, blackhealth.com. That's B-L-K-H-L-T-H.com. And you can register there. Uh, Is there anything else that we want to plug for our listeners? Hmm. Nothing for me. <laughs> no. Nothing I know that we still side. have uh, our Good Down There campaign going on, mm-hmm. um, our colorectal cancer screening effort uh, across the country. Uh, you can find that on our website as well. Um, so you can plug in and get a colorectal cancer screening kit um, in our local markets. We'll be adding some additional cities soon. Uh, so really excited. So look out for that on our social media. Um, we want feedback on our podcast. So please uh, leave comments. Let us know how we're doing. Um, if there's anything that you want us to cover uh, or interesting topics that you think that we should be talking about, uh, let us know. Um, you can hit us up on our social media. Um, again, that's Black Health, B-L-K-H-L-T-H. Um, we're on Twitter, 
uh, Facebook and Instagram. Uh, we're going to get the TikTok popping soon. Uh, so, <laughs> so, yeah, so stay tuned for that. I got some ideas that we'll follow through on. Uh, but again, thank you all for listening. Um, we'll see you on the next episode. Bye. Bye. Bye.